Welcome to another edition of DC Update. I'm your host, Jim Allen, Head of Capital Markets Policy for the Americas, located here in Charlottesville. Um, the first thing I want to talk about today is give you an update on our district dialogue efforts. This past August, September, we got in touch with three societies here in the United States. They agreed to participate in a pilot program that we have since started to call our district dialogues. These dialogues are part of an effort for members of CFA Institute societies to host events for their congressional representatives or senators when those policymakers were back in their home districts. The dialogues were kicked off on August 8th by the Nashville Society, though leaders from the Memphis and East Tennessee societies were present there at that event as well. And they hosted Senator Bob Corker. Um, Mr. Senator Corker is a member of both the Senate's Banking and Foreign Relations Committee and is seen as some of, somewhat of an, uh, rising, uh, a, a rising member in the, uh, in the Senate for the Republican side. And his appearance there in Nashville drew about 75 members. <clears throat> the second of the, our district dialogue events occurred in Los Angeles on August 21st when the Los Angeles Society hosted a meeting with Maxine Waters, the highest ranking Democrat on the House Financial Services Committee. Now, unlike the Nashville event, the di dialogue in Los Angeles was a smaller, a smaller event that targeted members from within Representative Waters' district there in Los Angeles, as well as the society leaders. So that, in, in that event, there were about 20, 20 members uh, who hosted the congressman. Uh, and the congressman afterwards expressed an interest in returning to meet with a larger group of society members next summer. And the third dialogue took place on September 5th in Denver, where the Colorado Society hosted Representative Ed Perlmutter, a Democrat on the House Financial Services Committee. And that event drew about 50 CFA Colorado members, after which the congressman stayed to meet and talk with as many members as he as, uh, wished to speak with him. So with these three, with these first three district dialogues complete, we are looking to, to when and where we might work with other societies to, to host dialogues with their members in the future. Now we already have one, one such event uh, in planning. Uh, this will occur on October 17th when CFA Tampa Bay will host Representative Dennis Ross, who is a Republican on the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, this event will take place at 2.30 p.m. and we have started working with, only just started working uh, with the society on these preparations as the congressman's staff just, uh, uh, just agreed to the, uh, to the event just a couple of days ago. We hope to make these events a regular feature of the calendars of our local societies here in the United States, particularly those whose representatives and, and senators sit on key financial committees in their respective houses. We believe it is better for members to meet there with CFA Institute members where they live in the districts and states where the policies represent rather than to you know, have a bunch kind of move in mass from office to office within uh, the halls of Washington, D.C., like so many other groups. And the hope is that, uh, and I think that, that uh, we're starting to see some benefit from these, is that these meetings enhance the effectiveness of the message that we convey, that we CFA Institute staff convey when we go to Washington, D.C. to meet with the staff of these policymakers in Washington. And uh, they, and 
in that case, they know that we represent members that, ha that, they, that the members themselves have met and come to know in their home districts. So to that end, I wish to extend a cordial and special congratulations and thank you to the Nashville, Los Angeles, and Colorado societies. They played an important role in getting this effort started. And, they, and their events were prepared and professional, and we can't say enough about what a great job they've done. Alas, but the, the holiday from Washington, D.C. Uh, only lasted through into mid-September, and since then, Congress has returned to Washington, D.C. Uh, following their summer breaks. And in the financial services realm, there's one primary issue that seems to have risen to the top of the agenda of just about everybody, and that is mortgage market ref reform. Now, CFA Institute will not comment directly or have any particular interest in the issue of who should or shouldn't get mortgages, how those mortgages are underwritten, the role that uh, the Federal Housing Administration plays in the process or other procedural and administrative issues related to, to housing. That said, an important element of housing reform is reform of the mortgage, mortgage, uh, mortgage funding markets. Now, back in 2010, we did a survey of, of our membership uh, following passage of the Dodd-Frank Regulatory Reform Bill, and we asked what were the biggest failures of that bill. A resounding majority of the membership that responded said that the failure to address government-sponsored enterprises like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac was the biggest weakness of Dodd-Frank, uh, greater than the other nine options that we provided uh, combined. Now, there were two separate efforts to reform mortgage markets going on in Congress at this time. In the Senate, the effort is being led by Senators Bob Corker from Tennessee, there's that name again, and Senator Mark Warner from Virginia, one of the senators from the home office of CFA Institute. The comparable effort in the House of Representatives is a bill called the PATH Act, and that's short for Protecting America, American Taxpayers and Homeowners, so P-A-T-H, PATH Act. The bills have a lot in common, but they also have some very important differences as well. Uh, the first difference is that while both sort of ponder the, the total privatization of the mortgage-backed mortgage securities market, the House bill would privatize that market immediately. Uh, the Senate version, however, would, would provide a government-backed guarantee uh, for a portion of, those, of the securities for eight years, at which time they would uh, ask to call in the Government Accountability Office to step in and do a study to determine whether privatization is feasible at that time. So it's not necessarily clear in the Senate bill that uh, privatization will occur, whereas in the House bill it is, it is uh, certain and immediate. Now, both bills would try to enhance the underwriting standards or put in provisions to enhance the underwriting standards for mortgage loans that are included in MBS. The Corker-Warner bill would have a newly created insurance entity uh, that would give its imprimatur to each loan that meets its, under, its underwriting standards. Uh, uh, the House bill would, uh, would have, has provisions for increased and improved underwriting on uh, mortgage bills as well. Now we've expressed some concern about the, uh, the imprimatur that uh, the Corker-Warner bill creates and uh, in that this is sort of 
in many ways replacing the role that the rating agencies provided uh, and were asked to do in the 1990s and early 2000s. And as we all know, that didn't work out terribly well. Uh, members in Congress see this as an important uh, provision that uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the same as a credit rating agency uh, issue. And yes, we can probably see that for the first decade or so that uh, those uh, rating standards would be pretty set in stone and as people will have pretty fresh memories of what happened when the mortgage market collapsed in 2007-2008. However, uh, as is oftentimes the case in the financial services market, uh, memories tend to be a bit short and give it about 10-15 years and you know we start to see people trying to undermine the, the the higher standards, the higher underwriting standards, and we could find ourselves where we were in 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008. So we find we have some we have expressed some concerns about that that element of the bill. Now we're still studying these these bills and going through them in a, probably a, a much more fine tooth uh, effort. Um, but some of the things that you know, just that we like is, uh, I think the Corner Corker Warner Bill would impose a capital minimum for mortgage insurers that would amount to about, or private mortgage insurers that would amount to about 10% of the insured balances. We find that to be uh, an appropriate effort. Uh, there are some other efforts, some other provisions within the PATH Act, which we find to be somewhat troubling, um, sort of unwinding some of the protections for investors in asset-backed securities and, and uh, the reporting requirements and the like. So we will be talking with, um, with the people involved in Washington, D.C., the staff members involved in these issues, and trying to help them come up with some improvements that uh, serve the interests of investors. So with that, uh, this concludes this edition of DC Update, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, more on what's happening in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much for your attention. Copyright 2013 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.